intense cold swept over them all. Harry felt his own breath catch in his chest. The cold went deeper than his skin. It was inside his chest. It was inside his very heart. That's intense. <laughs> that is very intense. That's why I picked that one. I like it. Yeah. As I was, like, listening to it, I was like, yeah. And that's, uh, like, right there at the beginning, too. Yeah. You're like, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one. Well, greetings, fair listeners, and welcome to the We Read Books podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Here we read books, and then we talk about them for our own entertainment, and hopefully for yours as well. Me. Me. <laughs> we just have to have a sound effect after a statement, otherwise it just feels wrong. <laughs> yeah, it feels a little lonely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I guess we have to introduce ourselves now. I always, Sometimes my brain wants to skip over that, but that is wit. And that is mad. Yay! I mean, we can skip it, and then it'll just be a nice little mystery for them. Who is talking? Who's who am I is hearing? this? <laughs> That's um, we have our socials. We do on Instagram and on TikTok. We are at We Read Books Pod, and our email is We Read Books Pod Two Three at Gmail. Dot com. We're here all day. <laughs> yep, dot com. <laughs> I figured you'd probably fill that in yourselves. They should have, but I couldn't leave it hanging. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Well, this week we are discussing Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Ooh, Ooh. we're on book three. We're getting there. We're slowly but surely making our way through the series. Really, this is almost halfway. Close. Yeah. You just have to get through halfway of the fourth, and we're we're there. We're there. Yeah. It feels like tons of books, and then also not that many. Seven's not a huge number. No, seven's not a huge number. But when you're talking series. about books, yeah, it sort of is. I mean, <laughs> I guess it's relative. I, yeah. I feel like a lot of series are three. Like, a lot of people do trilogies. Yeah. It's a nice, you yeah. know, you have your begin, your first, your last, and then that nice one in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. It's balanced. So right. I get it. Yeah. Like Lord of the Rings. Yes. Three of them. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to think of what other series are trilogies. That Brandon Sanderson one. Oh, yeah. Mistborn has a trilogy. Um... The Shadow and Bone series is yep. a trilogy. I, I can understand why people go with three, because two doesn't feel like enough. Uh-huh. And four kind of feels like what, what which one's your middle. Right. So then... You just have to keep you, going. Yeah, you either have to do five. <laughs> so you have to have an odd number of, of books in the series, yeah. essentially. Because yeah. you have to have, like, 
a a peak right of middle i think twilight only has four see but there was that you know little mini book that they put in the middle of the set the brief life of i forget her name hmm. i haven't read that one yet i have the set with that book in it but i haven't read it yet i did not read any like tiny novella in twilight series yeah i read the main books though and four yet another strike <laughs> so i gotta we gotta watch the movie that's a <laughs> just the last part <laughs> like the last 20 minutes i just need you to see it whenever we for reasons <laughs> whenever we do twilight for this show i will watch them okay perfect <laughs> for you guys <laughs> she will torture herself um i will say that one of my favorite things that has been popping up on my For You page on TikTok is interviews with Rob Pattinson <laughs> about Twilight and their gems. It makes me feel so bad for him. But I know. I know. <laughs> it's like you hated tortured. it that much. It's, yeah. yeah. I guess at least he could laugh about it, you know? Yeah. But, oh my gosh. It's just... And it, it'll, like, play his interviews, it sent, like, after a the guy that plays Jacob interview mm-hmm. or Kristen Stewart. Mm-hmm. And both of them, you can tell, like, their PR team is, like, you you gotta hit the favorable high points. I, mean, I think, yeah. I don't think any of them are, like, <laughs> pumped that they were in Twilight, but they're, like, talking about positives. They're very PR yeah. responses. Yes. And old Rob is just like, it's bonkers, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm almost sitting there like looking for his PR team. Is he allowed to be saying this right now? Yeah. Did you guys approve this? You're okay with it? Because you know everyone thinks he's hot and it doesn't matter what he says. It's not going to ruin the popularity of the movies. Okay, okay, okay. Sure, 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 sure. sure. (laughs) Yeah. Hilarious. Hilarious. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, we'll uh, we'll get there someday, probably. A while from now, we have yeah. other series we have other, that we would rather get to first. Other series that we like. <laughs> <laughs> we have to finish Legendborn. We have to, you know, yeah, do all the other ones that are oh, like Hunger Games trilogy. Hunger Games trilogy. See that one felt correct. Yes, I agree. The Divergent series is also a trilogy. Was it? Mm-hmm. I it's thought it three. was more than that. Uh, nope. Oh, they, okay. Then they made all the movies. I thought they stopped short, but oh, they, they did have three movies. So they were gonna make the last movie into part two parts, and they <laughs> did not finish part two. <laughs> oh my god, that's terrible! That's why you can't? Did they do that to the Maze Runner fans too, or did I, they finish that one? I don't think they've finished all the movies. I've only seen the first Maze Runner, but oh I don't think they've made all the all the movies. Guys, I'm just sorry. If you like those <laughs> fandoms and they left you on that cliff, mm-hmm. even you, though you have the books, it's still, you know, you don't have the completion of the movies. I'm just sorry on their behalf. I agree. That stinks. I agree. I liked the Divergent books, and I have only seen the first film, but it was fine, I thought. Yeah, it it gave me giver vibes for sure. Um, but 
I never read the books. I only watched yeah. the movies, and the movies didn't inspire me. Yeah, to read the books, but I should probably not judge them based yeah. on that. So they were fine. I mean, I read them all, enjoyed them. Did I, I didn't go back and reread them though? So I gotcha. That says something. About you don't own them. I do own them. You do own them. Okay. Yeah. Owned but not reread. Correct. Gotcha. Mundo. Well. Well. Anyway. Um. That's our series discussion for the <laughs> opener. Yep. <laughs> so. Let's talk about Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah. Uh, this novel was published on July 8th of 1999. Right before Y2K, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Ten days before my ninth birthday. Yay. Oh. Your See? first decade of life and they gifted you with Prisoner of Azkaban. They did. <laughs> it feels right. It does. <laughs> <laughs> 99, what a year. Indeed. I was in the fourth grade. Well, I would have started the fourth grade right after this. In August of 99. Your memory astonishes me. I would have to really think about it (laughs) to figure out what grade I was in. (laughs) I remember a lot of my childhood, surprisingly. I've talked about this with Emily. She's like, I literally don't remember anything before I was 12. And I was like... I have flash memories of being, like, three years old. I think a lot of my... I do have some memories, but a, a lot of my little bitty memories are from watching home videos. Yeah. So, it's hard to say. It's hard to say if the video is your memory or if the video triggers the memory. Right. <laughs> I know. I think about that all the time. Yeah. I guess it depends on if you see yourself or you're seeing out of your eyes. Right. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. This novel was pretty successful right out of the gate. 68,000 copies sold in the UK in the first three days. So, pretty, pretty popular. When did they start releasing at the same time, or did they ever release at the same time in UK and America? This novel was not released at the same time. I think it was a few months later that it was released in the US. Yeah. But same year? Yeah. I get why they got it first. I think I think maybe Goblet of Fire would when they be... start doing it at the same time. Yeah. Well, because that's when you start really getting into spoilers, right? You know, exactly. so you got to do it at the same time. Yeah, because I mean, there's there's spoilers mm-hmm. here. I mean, yes. there's spoilers in all of them, but they're not as like. That's when it gets for real. For real. Spoilers. Yeah. For like, real. For real. <laughs> Goblet of Fire's ending. That is like. Full, full spoilers. Yes. This one's kind of like, oh, okay. A spoilerette, if you yes. will. Yes, yes. In a way. In but, a way. Yeah. I feel like if you hadn't read this and somebody told you the ending, you would be like, well, it kind of sucks that you did that, but right. it, it's not going to like... You didn't ruin my you day. You didn't ruin it, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was clearly very popular, and then the film, when it released in 2004, it grossed... $796 million. That's so much money. It's so much money. And yet, it's not in like, nowadays, movies are in like the billion dollar club or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I I don't know how these didn't hit that, but that's a totally different, like, I wonder if it was adjusted for today where it would sit. You know what I mean? Hmm. Dollar wise. Yeah. Because these movies were popular as heck. 
Yeah. Well, I, I, I would bet that the box office numbers for the later movies are intensely higher. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure they just increase as they go. Yeah. Because the more movies you have, the longer you have for people to get old enough to read the books, old enough to start watching them, get into them. You just amass a greater audience as you go. So. Lifetime gross. Perhaps we'll have to look into it down the road and, and report back. Cause yeah. Because this is $796 million for just the Goblet, or just the Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. And this one has... Deathly Hallows Part 2 as being 381 million gross, but they have it as the highest grossing of the series. Interesting. So I'm wondering if this is specific to a region. Maybe. Oh. Worldwide. Oh, never mind. That's all movies. We'll We'll figure this out. Yeah. Maybe on the next We Watch Movies. <laughs> yeah, because this will be featured. Yeah. Short plot summary. Basically, Harry's in his third year of Hogwarts, and there is a mass murderer who is broken out of prison, allegedly, to come after Harry. But Harry doesn't find that out for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the beginning. Yeah. Ish. Ish. So, that's where we are on this one. Yeah, that's basically so that's the main. Yes, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's, that's the main. <laughs> the main haps. Yep, as it were. <laughs> well, uh, like we did in the last one, we aren't going to go through every single character. That just would be such an astronomical list by the time uh-huh. we get to the last one. But we will go over our new players in this one. Yep. So, let's start with. Oh boy, Aunt Marge. She is a uh, Vernon's sister. Mm. Her descriptors are very similar mm-hmm. to Vernon's stature, <laughs> even down to the possible mustache. <laughs> she breeds bulldogs, and she's very unpleasant. She's very unpleasant. Not not a not a crowd favorite. And her dog is kind of mean as well. But, I mean, look at the owner. Yeah. Yeah, she raised him to be mean. It's not that puppy's fault. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And then we have Professor Remus Lupin. Mm -hmm. He is our new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher this year. Lupin. Yeah. We we like him a lot. Yeah, I love me some Lupin. We'll we'll learn more about him, but he's he's quiet and kind of shabby looking when we meet him. (laughs) He is. Poor guy. I know. Poor guy. Sirius Black. He is our escaped convict. Mm. Murderer. Murderer. On the loose. We have Peter Pettigrew. He is a friend of Harry's dad's when he was in school. Yep. That's all we'll say about that. We do meet Cedric Diggory in this book. Yes, we do. If you think that you have to wait till the fourth book, nay, nay. Here he is, right he here. Is. He is the captain and yep. seeker for the Hufflepuff Quidditch team. Yep, that's right. Our boy said, out here leading the charge. Yep. 
He's an honorable he Quidditch is, player. What? I think he's, he's a, is he a fifth year in this book? Is he two years older than Harry? Maybe. Or, or is he a sixth year? Is he? Probably a, a sixth year because you, yeah, you have I, to be 17, right? To enter. Yeah. I'm thinking in Goblet of Fire, he's in his seventh year. So yeah. Yeah, probably. He's a sixth year. Don't come for us if we're wrong. We're very close to, he's either sixth or seventh year next book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Sorry pretty, if we I'm don't pretty remember. Sure. But and then we have Cho Chang. We meet her in this book as well. And she is the Ravenclaw Quidditch team seeker. Yep. And uh she might just catch someone's eye. <laughs> yeah. <Hey. laughs> oh yeah, I like that. <laughs> we Long also Cho. Yeah, I like Cho's character a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that we see much of her in this one. Yeah. She's she- a little She's a little, uh... Feisty. Yeah. Up there in the air. She's got her eye on that prize, and by the prize, I mean snitch. That's right. (laughs) That's the only thing she's looking for. Yeah, I don't think she's, uh, really caring about Harry too much. No. But Harry might be caring about her. Until, you know, the fight in the sky, and then maybe he's like, okay, I better... Gotta buckle down here. Yeah. (laughs) Then we have a new professor. Well, she's not a new professor to the school, but she's a new professor to us. That's right. Miss... Uh, Professor Trelawney, and she is our divinations teacher. Yep. It's very wooly discipline, if you ask Hermione Granger. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, then we have Ernie Prang, who is the night bus driver. Mm-hmm. The night bus sounds like a hoot and a half and also an awful time. <laughs> yeah, it sounds terrifying. Mm-hmm. To ride on. Absolutely. Uh, I already don't love being a passenger in a vehicle. <laughs> so I don't know if the night bus is for me. Yes. Then we have uh, Mr. Stan Shunpike. What would you, is he the conductor? Mm-hmm. Okay. I usually use that term with trains, so I wasn't really sure. I was like, he manages the, the bus. bus, you know, yeah. <laughs> and all the goings on. So he's a character really all i can say he is a character i like him yeah he's funny his his him and ernie have like a a good little yeah yes i agree and then we have a couple new creatures we have Buckbeak. he is a hippogriff yep and a cherished pet of hagrid beloved pet beloved pet sweet sweet Buckbeak. Mm mm-hmm And then we have Crookshanks, who is Hermione's new pet this year. Yep. Oh, boy. That darn cat, I say. (laughs) Yikes. Cats. And then we have a couple mysterious characters. Hmm. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs. I wonder who they are. All I'll say is they are a bit of mischief makers. They are. They're devious characters. But that's all I'll say. For now. For now. Anyway. Yeah. All will be revealed in time. (laughs) As we continue. (laughs) Yeah. As if you probably have not already read this book, I'm sure. Came out in 99. Right. So if you're the one person who hasn't read or heard of or watched Harry Potter, welcome to this wild ride. We may have some inaccuracies, but it's going to be pretty darn close 
to correct. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I, I feel like maybe we're just going to full on nail it. I think we'll full on nail it, but I know that sometimes my memory uh, gets things a little switchy swapped. So <laughs> I, was yeah. just, I was just giving myself room for error. Yeah. <laughs> There's always room for error. Perfect. I need it. <laughs> my teeth still feel weird, by the way. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. It's just, I'm just, you know, it feels like there's something in my tooth. Yes. There is something in my tooth, but I'm just not used to Yeah. how it feels. I got my first ever fillings at the dentist yesterday, so I'm just trying to figure it out. See, and if you were a wizard, you just fix that right up. Yeah, they probably just, like, use their wand and, like, pull out the cavity, right? They're just like, beep. Or something. They never really mention it, but Hermione's parents are dentists, right? So, yeah. like, they find that fascinating, but what do wizards do? Yeah. They, is- they, they must have tooth magic that we just didn't get to hear There's about. There's, like, yeah, like, healing magic that they apply to their teeth when they have an issue, I'm guessing. Right. It's, it's mundane and... Ugh. Oh, no to be a to witch know. or wizard. <laughs> I agree. What's the one thing I find odd is that they can't fix eyesight with magic. Maybe they just think glasses look so rad that they're like, nah. True. And the eyeball, I don't know. Would I want someone risking my eyeball nah. with their wand? I don't think so. Yeah. Maybe that's that's part of the reason there's no like spell to fix yeah. your eyesight is because nobody wants to be the guinea pig. Right. To figure it out. Right. That makes sense. It's probably um, just kind of like certain spells, only very skilled wizards can do it. Maybe it's just one of those things and people aren't willing to, you know, yeah, seek that out necessarily. Yeah. So. Agree. <laughs> Okie dokie. So we open Prisoner of Azkaban on Harry's 13th birthday. He's officially a teen. Woo-hoo. He, basically, he's hiding out under his covers trying to do some homework. Right. Because apparently at Hogwarts, you get homework over the summer. Baloney. This is, this is travesty. Uh, Especially for your, you have muggle students. Like. Yeah. And all students can't do underage magic. But a wizard child in a wizard home Apparently, they don't know who has done the magic. They just know that the magic is done. So those kids could get away with it a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, if you live in a wizard household, you could theoretically just be out here doing magic all the time. Right. With no repercussions. But if you're muggle-born. Yeah. Or live in a muggle household. You can't be casting any They're spells. They're all over you. But I will say, probably most of the assignments are, you know written assignments like essays, yeah but still over still, the summer yeah you haven't had a teacher to explain anything you just read it and had to write a paper on no yeah get out of here no this is summer break i strongly disagree i in the severest possible terms 100 percent. so but he's like hiding out under sheets he's got like a little flashlight um trying to see his books yeah. because Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon are like, oh, you can't be doing magics in our household. Even though writing with a quill on parchment is not necessarily magic, but okay. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Whatever. So while he's 
doing this in his little fort, he received some mail. We love mail. Through his window from the owls. Yes. And it's birthday gifts from Ron, Hermione, and Hagrid. Ron, Ron's gift, I think, is a sneakoscope. Yes. And in there is, like, a note, and Ron tells Harry that his dad won some sort of, like, lottery at the ministry. Mm-hmm. And so the whole Weasley family went to Egypt to visit the oldest Weasley child, Bill. And he includes a newspaper clipping of all the Weasleys, scabbers on Ron's little shoulder. Yep. The whole family and the rat went to Egypt. Everybody's in Egypt. <laughs> And um, Hagrid sent a copy of the Monster Book of Monsters. It's a biting book. And Harry's like, uh. It's alive. Whoa, it's attacking me. (laughs) Hermione also sent something. I don't know. Her gift was not really as exciting. Oh, it it actually was exciting for Harry. It was a broom tending kit. Servicing kit. Yes, it was. He was very excited about this broom servicing kit, actually. He's quite prized. But no, it's not really exciting. You're right. Yeah, the other two had more plot point value than the broom servicing kit. True, true, true. Either way, (laughs) um, Harry also gets a letter from Hogwarts saying that he needs to have his guardian sign a permission form so he can visit Hogsmeade Village near school. It's a wizarding village. All wizarding village. And third year and up get to visit it on designated weekends. Such fun. Such fun. And Harry's like, fat chance. Right. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, how am I going to get them to sign this thing? Yeah, exactly. And uh, his opportunity sort of presents itself, or at least he gets the idea. Yes. Because Uncle Vernon announces that Aunt Marge is coming for a visit. Yay. As I previously said, Aunt Marge is about as pleasant as Vernon and Petunia. She might even be more unpleasant, which is hard to imagine. Yeah, yeah I think she's a skosh. But uh, she's terrible. The worst. We don't really hear about her much, but, you know, I think her and Umbridge would get along swimmingly if it weren't for their magical Magical differences. differences. (laughs) They do have a similar um, way about them. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, so Harry's sort of like, hey, I'll behave and I won't mention magic at all if you sign my permission slip. And Vernon's basically like, if you behave, I'll sign your permission slip. Right. You know. Because uh, he's like, don't mention magic or anything like that while she's here. And Harry's like, well, I'm, I might forget or I might slip up. So. But if you sign my permission slip. Yeah. I swear I won't slip I'll, up. I'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> I like his I like his craftiness. Yeah. I, I respect it. There's some ingenuity going on here. I mean, these people can't be reasoned with. So you gotta yeah. you gotta find your window. You know? Yeah. So, uh, great Aunt Marge arrives. And as usual, she's, you know, praising Dudley and insulting Harry. That's, it it almost seems like she enjoys insulting Harry. Like, she'd rather Harry be in the room to be insulted than not be in the room at all. Right. That's what, I think that's noted in the section where 
when she's at the visit, like, yeah. that she liked to have him right there so she could basically just berate him. Yep. Constantly. Which is awful. Because at least, like, the Dursleys will send him to his room. Yeah. And he can hang out up there. Yeah. Alone and, like, do his own thing. Right. But Aunt Marge doesn't, like, for them to send him to his room. She's like, no, no, no. I want him right here by me. For me to pick on. Exactly. That horrible woman. That's awful. A child. A child. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of adults in these books that have no qualms about emotionally abusing children. Yeah. It's running rampant. <laughs> it rages me. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. know. You know, Harry, Harry contains himself for the whole week. Yeah, he does it. Great job. Until the very last night. And then Marge and her big fat mouth, she just keeps insulting Harry. But really the kicker was when she starts insulting his parents and, you know, saying if there's something wrong, you know. Yeah, yeah. That whole that whole bit, you know, comparing his mother to a female dog and if there's something wrong with the mother, then there's something wrong with the pup and, you know. Yeah. They, they say that Harry's dad is unemployed. Right. and Basically just making them sound like deadbeats. It's like, okay, you don't have to say he's a wizard, but couldn't you have, like, come up with, like, a non-magical equivalent? Yeah. No? We're not clever enough for that? Okay. Right. I mean, did he not work? Is he rich enough to not work? I think, actually, it has been confirmed that he did not have a job because he, his family had so much money that he just didn't need one. Well, and they were... And hiding, you know, when Harry was born. So you can't really have a job, you know. But good on you, bro. I I mean, if I... Having a wealthy family and not having to work If my family was independently wealthy and I didn't have to work, I probably wouldn't either. (laughs) When I wake up in the morning, I have a good job. Yeah. And it's, like, not, you know... Yeah. Terrible to go to every day. And I still wake up in the morning and, like, ah. I just want to stay home. <laughs> I would maybe get, like, a fun part-time job. Yeah. You know, that it wouldn't matter how much I made kind of thing. Maybe. Right. You know? It really depends. Yeah. It, de- it super depends. Maybe I would want to work in a bookstore, but then I'm like, yeah, but you're just working retail. Yeah. And your retail just happens to be books. That's true. You know? You're, you're just- like, I come in when I want and I leave when I want, but I'm here to help you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm volunteering. Right. Maybe, like, volunteer at like uh, an animal shelter. There you that, go. That I feel like would there you be go. Fun. Yeah, volunteer work until it was sad. Better. And then it would not be fun. And then you could stop doing it. And then I'd be depressed. <laughs> the animal shelter itself kind of makes me depressed. It's hard. It's hard. The people who work in those are doing the Lord's work. They I'm are. Telling you. True angels. True angels. But Marge is no angel, and nah. she's being the worst. Yeah. Like in to the actual devil and <laughs> she she's insulting harry's parents too much too hard and harry just loses it and unintentionally he didn't even have the thought in his mind he just gets mad mm-hmm. she starts filling up with air like a balloon floating around the house yep uh <laughs> He Whoa. he realizes pretty immediately, uh, I better get the heck out of this house. I'm... I'm toast. I'm toast. <laughs> That's it. So, yep, yeah, he basically grabs all his stuff, runs out of the house, 
He's like, I'm probably expelled now. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. The magical police are 100% coming after me. Like, I, I just better, I, I just better get going. Yeah. So grabs all of his things, his owl, the whole shebang. Yep. And gets out of there. He, he gets right out of there. And Uncle Vernon tries to stop him. And he, like, points his wand and he's like, I'm leaving. Yep. I'm out of here. Right. Yeah, it's like, what, what you, you can't do magic. It's like, dude, I'm already. You just did. Yep. I, I'm done, though. So <laughs> watch me do it again if yeah. I have to back up off me. <laughs> right. And Harry basically just takes off running. And he gets a few streets away. And he's. This is whenever it sinks in. He's like, yep. oh, shit. I don't have anywhere to go. What have I done? How am I going to get to, like, my bank account and all my money? Are they going to come after me and take my wand? Yeah. Am I ex- Yeah. Am yeah. I completely expelled now? Is it now? over? I'm a fugitive. Like, he's <laughs> going through all the thoughts. Oh, my gosh. And he suddenly feels like he's being watched. So he, like is turning around and he sees this giant black dog and the dog kind of surprises him and he falls, basically just falls over Mm -hmm. and (laughs) the night bus appears and nearly runs him over. Yep. Cause as he's falling, he kind of like sticks his wand hand out and that's like the the signal signal for the night bus. Right. And the night bus is basically transport for witches and wizards and you signal it by like holding your wand hand out or yeah. whatever. But is it specifically stranded witches and wizards or can you use the service all the time? I think you can use it all the time because they also use it in Order of the Phoenix to get from Grimold Place to King's Cross, I think, or Hogsmeade. Does it take them to Hogsmeade? Yeah, it does. See, I completely forgot that detail. Yeah. I think you can, nice. yeah, you can just use the night bus. Good. So we should have used it more. Exactly. But basically, um, the night bus is a triple-decker bus, and at night, there are beds, and in the day, you know, so we don't see it during the day in this book, but there are chairs. Nice. During the day. But, so Harry's like, whoa, what is this? And this is when we meet Stan, and Stan's like, didn't you flag us down? What's, uh, <laughs> what's going on here? What you fell over for? <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose. Well, come on then. <laughs> so Harry's like, "All right, I'm I'm gonna get on this bus." Yep. So he, he, they load up his stuff. He gets on the bus. He tells him his name is Neville Longbottom because he's trying to hide his identity. Yeah, because he thinks he's a fugitive. He, he Poor boy. He's a fugitive. And he wants to go to Diagon Alley. So they essentially have to take him to the Leaky Cauldron yep. in London. And then the bus, you know, takes off. It's obviously magical. Yeah. So it, like, skips through traffic. It can get skinny. Whatever. Muggle cars aren't seeming to see it, which is great. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it jumps through traffic. It's not waiting. It's got beds flying all over the place. You get a hot chocolate, though, if if you spend enough money. That's right. Toothbrush and a hot chocolate. And a hot water bottle. Oh, yes. Don't forget about the hot water bottle. What are you doing with a hot water bottle? Like, Is it to, like, warm your pillow? I think just to warm your bed or warm yourself. Like, like 
when I was a kid, when I spent the night at my grandparents, they would give me a hot water bottle in bed. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I just literally remembered that. That is so funny. But yeah, they would give me a hot water bottle in bed. I don't know if it just like, it warms you. So it makes you kind of like cozy, cozy and calm, you know? Okay. That's interesting. I had yeah. never heard of that. And every, I remember reading this book my entire life thinking, what the fuck with a hot water bottle? <laughs> But, I mean, because he's not going to drink hot water. That's silly. Right. But. Because, you know, like, women would use it for, like, cramps or something. Yeah. But, like, you're thinking, what would a normal person on an average day do with a hot water bottle? Yeah. It's for coziness, I coziness. guess. Warm up your bed while it's rolling around and you're drinking sure. your hot chocolate and brushing your teeth. You're exactly. Put the hot water bottle in there and let it warm up or mm-hmm. just, I guess. Hold it while you fall asleep. <laughs> cool. I mean, I don't know. I like a cool bed. Yeah. I like my sheets to be cool, and I definitely like my pillow to be cold. I will say, there is nothing like a hot, warm, cozy comforter straight out of the dryer. <laughs> Wrapped up in it. Oh, it's so cozy. I love it. <laughs> My cousin used to always have uh, heated blankets, but I just... I couldn't do a heated blanket. Yeah. And it's nice when the comforter, you know, eventually cools down, mm. but just that initial, like, straight out of the dryer wrapped up in it. Oh, yeah. mm. It's so great. I like a little chill when I get in bed. Yeah. I get that. They say you sleep better when it's cold, so I, I get it. definitely do. But it was always, growing up, my house, like, my stepmom she likes a cold house so growing up she always like it was cold in our house Mm -hmm. and she always slept with a huge box fan Mm -hmm. just right on her (laughs) she always did that she's a hot box of a woman she was for sure and so now i can't sleep in a like silent room yeah so we have a fan, and we have a noise machine. <laughs> yeah, I gotta fall asleep to, to like, YouTube or something. Yeah. We will, like, turn on the TV mm-hmm. to go to sleep, but once we're both, like, laying down and mm-hmm. once I'm like, alright, I'm rolling over now, then Dakota turns off the TV. We use the, um, sleep timer so that it'll turn oh, yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't have it on all night or my subconscious brain will hear the talking and yeah. then... yeah. I might have slept walk a couple times when the TV was on because it was bothering me. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah. We use the sleep timer. That's smart. Whenever Dakota's gone, I will sometimes fall asleep with the TV on and then I'll wake up at like 3 a.m. And it's just like all that light. Yeah. Like, it messes Ugh. with you and wakes you up. Yeah. So, it does. If you have a sleep timer, use it. Use the timer. That's my advice of the day. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Real life-changing stuff over here. Revolutionary. Yeah. Well, while we're on the night bus, before we get to Bleaky Cauldron, Harry overhears Ernie and Stan talking about an escaped prisoner named Sirius Black, who was in Azkaban for the last 12 years for murdering 13 people with a single curse. Now, that's intense. 
Oh boy, escaped is the big word here. A man who did that has escaped. Uh, he was actually, we forgot to mention, he was even on the Muggle News. He was on the Muggle News. They didn't obviously say that he was a wizard, but they did say that he was armed he was, and dangerous. Yeah. So uh, he overhears them talking about that. And uh, we also learned that this escaped prisoner, Mr. Sirius Black, was the right hand of Voldemort himself. Mm. And is now the first person to ever escape Azkaban. Yep. Super dangerous. Um, done something that's never been done before. And right hand of Voldemort. That is the type of guy you want running through the streets. Am I right? I, I'd say you are <laughs> oh my right. Gosh. He's he's running around out here. No one knows how he did it. Mm-hmm. Not great news, but you know, yeah. Harry's kind of you know he's he, unconcerned. Basically, he really. Throughout this entire book, <laughs> there are several times I'm like, you really are not worried, are you? Yeah. He's just like, this can't possibly have anything to do with me. So, yeah. Totally. Crazy, crazy that that guy's out there, but I mean, what can you do? So, anyway. <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah. He's the height of unbothered. Yeah. He's almost like, <laughs> that guy, oh man, I'm probably going to go to Azkaban. Yeah. I blew up my aunt. <laughs> Even though she's, you know, successfully deflated, deflated eventually. eventually. Yeah, and yeah, blew die. up as in with air, obviously yeah. not a kaboom. That would be right. Bad. That would be a different story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So then the bus gets to the Leaky Cauldron, which is the entrance to Diagon Alley, and Harry's getting off the bus, and wouldn't you know that Cornelius Fudge, the Minister of Magic, just happens to be there. It's like, hey, Harry, what's happening? And Stan's <laughs> like, this is Neville. What right. are you talking about? He's like, uh, <laughs> why are you calling Neville Harry? <laughs> and Cornelius Fudge is just like, that's Harry Potter. Duh. Right. And then, of course, he's like, Stan, I knew it! Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, the kid's got a scar. It's, I it's mean, quite noticeable. Yeah. And I feel like everybody kind of knows what he looks like. Right. But, you know, he played along. Yeah. This guy obviously doesn't want me to know who he is, so I'm right. just going to let him do his thing. Right. Which is very nice. It was very nice. Thanks. He man. didn't have any proof to argue with him either, so yeah. you just kind of had to take it at face value. Yeah. So, Harry's expecting Cornelius Fudge to be, like, arresting him. <laughs> yeah. But instead, he's relieved that Harry's unharmed, and... Harry's confused by this, obviously, right. and Fudge is pretty dismissive about the Aunt Marge thing. He's like, meh, shit happens, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he like, tells him, you gotta handle it. Yeah, he's like, we fixed it, she's deflated, memories modified, everything's cool, no worries, mm-hmm. and... Uh, He's like, you're going to stay here at the Leaky Cauldron until school starts. Yep. Don't go traipsing in the muggle world. Stay. Right. Diagon Alley. I did think it was funny that he was like, your uncle did say that you had to stay away for the whole entire school year. You couldn't come back for Christmas. And yeah. he's like, not a problem. <laughs> he's like, I always do that. Right. So. Not a punishment. Yep. So at this point, Harry's like, scot-free. Mm-hmm. He's like. I get to leave the Dursleys weeks early. I'm not arrested. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fugitive. 
And I just get to chill. He gets to shop Diagon Alley. Yeah. Hang out, eat ice cream. Yeah. He's living it up. He is living the high life right now. This is the free life, not under the thumb of any one. Yeah, exactly. He gets... He's just eating ice creams he's all day. A, yeah, he's a good kid. He doesn't want to, like, test the boundaries. He's yeah. not like, well, they told me not to leave here, so let me see what happens if I do leave. No, he's like, I'm where I want to be. Yeah. Life is good. I got a pocket full of galleons. That's right. And I'm gonna just live it up. Yeah, he's treating himself. Yeah. He's not being, like, super frivolous, because he even kind of wonders, like, okay, how long? I mean, this can't last me forever, but... Yeah. yeah. the fir- This is, like, the first time we get Harry, like, thinking about how much money he has. Like, yeah. hmm, I should be a little bit economical here. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, he has a great time. Yeah. Yep, he just had to exercise some self-control not yep. to buy the firebolt. Yes, we get a sweet, sweet... Broom in the window. Brand new. Yeah. Sick ride. All the magical enhancements you could want in a yep. broom. Yep. They say it is a international standard broom. AKA they use it in the professionals. Uh-huh. Those professional Quidditch teams are using that firebolt. If That's they right. can afford it, of course. Yeah. So this thing is the shit, essentially. And Harry wants it, but he's like, nah. Can't, right. can't be doing that. Right. I have a perfectly amazing broom myself. Yep. My wonderful Nimitz 2000. That's right. Which was the hotshot broom just two years previous. Right. So. Still better than probably a lot of kids' brooms right. at Hogwarts. So. Yeah. No exactly. need to be dropping. Nah. You know, money that you could probably spend buying a house. <laughs> yes. It's not that expensive, but. Yeah. So. Maybe. That's where we are. And after his um, blissful, is it week? Weeks? Sometime? Like two weeks. That's what I was thinking. But finally, the Weasleys are back from Egypt. They, you know, Ron and Hermione both write to Harry. Mm-hmm. I forget how they figure it. Well, probably Ron's Arthur. dad. Yeah. yeah, Arthur. So, yeah. So, they um, write to Harry and they end up meeting up in Diagon Alley. And they come to stay at the Leaky Cauldron uh, for the last day of summer break. And then they're all going to go to the train station together. Yep. The next day or whatever. But while they're there, you know, Hermione and Ron still have to get all their school stuff. And Hermione decides that she wants to um, get herself a pet this year. She thinks she might want an owl, Uh you know, like Harry has. Yeah. So we learn that, you know. Poor Scabbers isn't doing well. He's he's kind of sickly. Yep. So uh, we're going to go to the pet shop and uh, get some rat tonic. Get some rat tonic. Yeah. And Hermione's going to look for a owl. Yep. And we get in there and <laughs> the shop owner's not very nice about the rat. He's like, uh, this rat is probably knocking on death's door. Don't you yeah. want one of these fun rats over here? How old is this thing anyway? Yeah. <laughs> 12 years. <laughs> Most rats live three years. You're lucky this thing's alive. Yeah. Are you sure you don't want a new rat? Mind dance. Yeah. You sure? Of course, Gabbers. Yeah. And then, of course, this crazy cat comes out of nowhere and attacks poor Gabbers. Damn. And it's Crookshanks. Oh, Crookshanks. Flat-faced orange cat. 
is wild. You're like, what the heck is wrong with this thing? Mm-hmm. Ron gets Scabbers out of there, obviously. And then Hermione comes, hey, you forgot your rat tonic. And she has crookshanks in her arms. Yep. She didn't get an owl. She took. She got that cat. She got that cat. Yeah. Now, I will say, if 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 I went with a friend to a pet store and I had my pet and there was another unhomed pet there that attacked my dog. And then I left, and then my friend walked out with said pet. I'd be a little mad, too. Yeah. I'd be like, excuse me, I'm sorry, your animal just attacked my animal. Yeah. What are you doing? (laughs) Agreed. Especially if it was dogs. Yeah. This was a crazy French choice, but, you know. Yeah. Hermione and her bleeding heart, I guess she was like, oh, he's misunderstood. He's been in there for so long. Right. Okay. Nobody wanted him. Right. All right. Aw. Poor little Crookshanks. Yeah. Poor Scabbers. Poor everyone. Yeah, poor everyone. Because this is not going to bode well for the trio. It is an ominous sign for things to come. I will say it ends up being a good choice. But in the moment, I was like, oof. If my friend did that, I'd be a little perturbed as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a bit annoying. Yeah. Of course. But Hermione's drawn to this cat. I know. She just can't help herself. She couldn't help herself. She likes the color orange, I guess. Get my... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, we they get all their purchases done, and Harry, Hermione, and the Weasleys all have dinner at the Leaky Cauldron. Um, at some point during this visit, we find out Percy has been made head boy. So, he's got a head boy badge. Oh, big head boy. Yeah, Fred and George <laughs> just making fun of him all night, stealing his badge. Uh, I will say that the scene, whenever the Weasleys and Harry first, like, meet up and Fred and George are, like, talking to him all, like, proper. Yes. It's the funniest thing. Simply corking to see you. I absolutely so loved funny. every <laughs> moment of this. <laughs> Fred and George are just the best they really are. Anytime they're on the page, they just they just light up the room. They do. They do. Yeah. So, uh, and then, yeah, that whole scene of them, like, greeting Harry and then greeting their mom. <laughs> yes, just dearest hilarious. mother. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny. Uh, it's great. Which they're making fun of Percy because Percy was, like, extra formal greeting Harry. Yes. So then they're yes. making fun of him. <laughs> he, like, gave him a handshake and everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Harry's like, yeah, okay. Alrighty, you too. Here, we're doing this. Looks like your shoes are too tight. Right. Uh, yeah, so that's like, that's one of the best scenes of the beginning. It truly sure. is. Truly, truly is. But uh, I think Ron leaves his rat tonic downstairs. Yeah. And then also Percy's all up in arms because his badge is gone and... I don't even know, is he, does he accuse Harry and Ron, or does he just, I don't know, he's just... I think he accuses Ron, because they're, like, sharing a room or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I think he accuses Ron of... Why wouldn't you accuse the two most mischievous people in your family who have been Making ribbing you, you like, day. the whole... <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, like... it, obviously it's Fred and George, come on. Come on, but, anyway, so, Harry... Offers to go downstairs to get the rat tonic from the table. Mm-hmm. 
And he overhears Mr. and Mrs. Weasley talking in, like, hushed tones. So he kind of sneaks over. <laughs> yeah, he's he's dropping some memes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, he hears them talking about, you know, Sirius Black breaking out and how they're concerned that he's going to come after Harry. Mm-hmm. Harry's sitting there wondering, why would he come after me? Yeah. But he doesn't say anything to them in that, at that moment. Yeah, I'm guessing that Harry, like, comes to the conclusion that Sirius Black is after him simply because of Voldemort. Right. I mean, that's the most obvious. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley actually kind of have a little bit of a disagreement because Mm -hmm. Arthur thinks that they should tell Harry some details. Yeah. And Mrs. Weasley's like, heck to the no. Yeah, he's too young. Right. You're for sure not telling him squat. Yeah. And, uh, so, but he waits for them to skedaddle off to bed. He gets the rat tonic and he just kind of goes to bed himself, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So they go to King's Cross Station the next day and, um, the ministry actually provides them with some cars to transport them. Yeah. And because they no longer have the Ford Anglia. Right. That's what Arthur says. That's what Arthur says. But it's because of Harry, basically. Obviously. But yeah, uh, he's like, oh, it's because we don't have the blue car. <laughs> okay. The sure. the ministry's never offered to let us take a car to the train station before. Because uh-huh. I don't think they knew you had the Fort Anglia before. But okay, yeah. sure, Dad. Sure. Sure thing. So they arrive in style. Maybe. They do. They get to platform nine three quarters. Everybody makes it through the barrier this time. Mm-hmm. Um. And as they're all boarding the train, Arthur pulls Harry aside to give him a little chat and is like, hey, don't go looking for Sirius Black, despite anything you might hear. Mm-hmm. And Harry's like, why would I do that? Yeah. I'm not an idiot. I'm not, I'm not in the in the mood to go hunt down murderers. Yeah. What's this guy to me? Nothing. Right. Right. And Arthur's like, yeah, but just promise me. Yeah. Essentially, I need you to say I promise. Right. <laughs> Swear it. Swear it. So here he does. He's like, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah. I promise. <laughs> God. <laughs> I don't even know that he gets that intense. No, he but... doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> we just like to add a little drama. <laughs> we are Broadway babies. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. So uh, we get on the train, and Harry, Ron, and Hermione go into a compartment that has one passenger. He is asleep. Sweet, shabby-looking R.J. Lupin. R.J. Lupin. You know, he's just taking himself a nap on the train. Yeah, because, you know, why not? Right. I would sleep on that train, probably. I probably would, too. But since he's asleep, you know, Harry's like, well... This guy can't hear anything he's asleep. So I think he kind of fills Ron and Hermione yeah, in he on does. the on the few things that he's experienced since the night before. But yeah. it doesn't really change much. He just yeah. lets him know that there's discussions afoot and concerns from the adults. Yeah. His safety is called into question. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Draco Malfoy shows up like he always has to. Of course. And uh, he's throwing some usual insults and whatnots. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then they kind of point out like, hey, we've got a professor in here with us. So maybe. Maybe back off. Right. And he just kind of skitters away, thankfully. Yeah. 
And then, of course, Kirkshanks attacks Scabbers. So, yet again. Yeah. We're not off to a good start. Not off to a good start. Yeah. It's, uh, we've got an enmity here between Kirkshanks and Scabbers. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirkshanks is determined mm-hmm. to eat this rat. Yeah. And Ron's like, mad, obviously. And Hermione's yeah. like, cats eat rats. Okay, but why did you get a cat if you know I have a rat? <laughs> like, thing. what is happening? <laughs> I know. So, you know, the train ride goes on blobbity blobbity and then all of a sudden it stops and all the lights go out and we're like we can't be there yet and then something tall and robed enters their compartment mm-hmm. and everyone feels real cold the yep. intense cold creeps in and harry feels the cold and deep in his bones and then he hears a really high-pitched scream mm-hmm. and he passes out yep I will note that they are described as scabby and slimy. That's gross. How are you Disgusting. scabby and slimy? That's what I want to know. Dry scabs are one thing. Slimy scabs? <laughs> Ew. No. Nope. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm good on that. Thanks. Yep. So these are obviously the Dementors. Ooh, the Dementors. But we don't find that out until uh, Harry comes to. Yeah. Lupin, you know, has woken up and is in action. That's right. You know, he he got the Dementor out of the cabin. Yep. Defense against the dark arts. Yep. That's what he's about. And uh, Dementors are dark creatures. Mm-hmm. The darkest. Yeah. Arguably, yes. So, they are, we find out that they are the ones that guard Azkaban, and they were on the train looking for Black. Obviously, they have not found him. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, they don't really discriminate if they feel like there's someone with true horrors. They're just, you know, hey, snack time. Yep. They basically feed on the despair, fear and despair of humans. And if you have a lot of it, you are really susceptible. A little delicious buffet to them. You are. So, but Lupin's handing out chocolates to everyone. Chocolate, you know, apparently is sort of a a remedy of sorts to the side effects of being fed upon by a Dementor. I guess so. So, I think the chocolate and the sugar, it just kind of gives you a little, gives you a little sprinkle of joy, maybe. Maybe, yeah. It's like a little, yeah, surge of dopamine. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'm going to start using that whenever I start to feel a little sick or tired. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start eating chocolate. I think see that's, what happens. I think that's a good plan. See if I get that serotonin spike. I I wager that you will. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I like this plan. I like it. I do want to note that uh, when Crookshanks attacked Scabbers, before that happens, the sneakoscope was kind of going mm-hmm. off in the compartment. Yeah. But Ron thinks it's faulty because he said it was going off even when they were on vacation. Yeah. So it's a little tricksy. It's tricksy. So. And he did he did tell Harry that it was not very expensive, so it could just be kind of like Right. You know, And also well. they were like doing something sneaky at the time or like not supposed to be doing something. Right. Yeah. Right. So there there are possible explanations, but really a sneakoscope is only supposed to go off when an untrustworthy person 
is near. Is near. Yeah. Which, you have a train with Draco Malfoy on it, so right. that thing's right. probably going to be blaring all the time, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they arrive at Hogwarts, and Professor McGonagall pulls Harry and Hermione aside as they're walking into the castle. Mm-hmm. And she is checking on Harry because she heard about what happened on the train. And this is not actually where she warns him about Sirius. It's later. Right. After the uh, fat lady. So she is checking on Harry, making sure he's fine after the Dementors, and asking if he needs to go to the hospital wing. And he's like, no! Right. Please, this has been embarrassing enough. Please. (laughs) He's really embarrassed that he's the only one who passed out. Yeah. So... He... Doesn't Madame Pomfrey, like, call him delicate or something? Yeah. And he's like, I'm not delicate! And she's like, of course you're not. <laughs> <laughs> and he tells Madame Pomfrey and Professor McGonagall that Lupin gave him chocolate already, so they're like, alright, cool. Right. You can go to the feast, and Hermione has a private chat with McGonagall, and then they go to dinner together. Yeah. So, But what? we miss the sorting hat and everything. Yeah, we miss the sorting. So, Harry hasn't been to a sorting since his own. Right. We haven't gotten to watch the Sorting or Hear a Song from the Hat since first year. That's right. Harry. I'm really looking forward to these. I know. Harry's just a freaking DJ from up country. (laughs) (laughs) At least they get the feast, though. That's true. They get to eat, at least. Last Last year, year, they didn't. They got sandwiches. They got sandwiches. Which I'm sure were delicious. They're probably amazing sandies. But it's not the feast. That's right. You know what I mean? I want to go to a Hogwarts feast. Oh, my God. So do I. I'm hungry just thinking about it. I know, and I just had an excellent dinner. Oh, man. I had mac and cheese. Not excellent, but filling. What what kind of mac and cheese did you go for? Ninja turtle shaped. <laughs> Is it a craft? It was like Walmart brand, I think. And which... it was Ninja Turtles? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's why I bought it, because Ninja Turtles were on the box. Yeah. Didn't say anything about being Ninja Turtle shaped. It just had them on the box, and yeah. I was like, oh, maybe the cheese is green, or I mm-hmm. don't know. They got me with the marketing, okay? It worked. Happens to me all the time. But I opened the box and found that they were Ninja Turtle shaped as well. Nice. They tasted fine, but you know those character-shaped mac and cheeses? They take a long time to cook, Mm -hmm. and it it turns real quick from chewy to mush. So I didn't didn't quite get them just perfect, Mm -hmm. but I did not let them get mushy. That's the important part. I would rather my noodles be slightly undercooked than overcooked. Al dente. Uh, Yeah. Al dente, or even a little pre-al dente, I will call them. Yeah. (laughs) I I will enjoy them just fine at that stage. Right. If they move past that, mm mm-mm. Yeah. It's why I don't really like hamburger helper, because you have to cook all of it together. And it does get mushy. It gets mushy. So, Dakota loves hamburger helper. You know what you can do? Just cook all the sauce and the meats together Mm -hmm. and just put the noodles in. A little later. Yeah. That's what I usually do whenever he is really like, hey, I really want Hamburger Helper. We're like, okay. Anything I, for you, my love. I'll, I'll make it, but <laughs> I have to judge when it's time to put the noodles right. in. I can't have mushy nudes, okay? <laughs> no. Yeah. But what do you, what do you, <laughs> if you were like, anything for you, my love, would you be like, what? <laughs> or do you say things like that, dude? No, I don't. <laughs> I'm I'm really mushy and Caleb and I say so <laughs> to each other. <laughs> That's why when I said it, I was like, you probably wouldn't say that to him. <laughs> yeah. No. He would laugh if I said it, but he would know I was joking. Yeah. 
You'd be like, yeah. you're ridiculous. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're not super mushy. I mean, we're not like... You're not not mushy. Not mushy, but yeah. we're not like, yeah. You're not sitting there making people roll their eyes and do the like, eh. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Caleb and I are mushy, but, you know, when we're completely alone. Right. That's... And That's now I've told the whole podcast listener group, so <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Inside stories. Right. Well, anyway, so we're at the feast and uh, Dumbledore announces that d- the Dementors will be guarding the school entrances this year. So they're going to be on premises. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Uh, not, not very excited about that, but. Not pumped. You know. Dumbledore hates it. Yeah. That's what they, he doesn't want them roam in the school, but they they can be outside. Yeah, they're outside dogs. Yeah, <laughs> I was just about to say that. <laughs> then I was like, was it? Would it be mean to call them dogs? But it's mean to dogs, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then we find out that Hagrid is our new care of magical creatures professor. Aww. Yay! Which is why Hagrid sent the Monster Book of Monsters. That's right to Harry for his birthday. He didn't tell him how to handle the book yeah. <laughs> in his card, but... And he didn't tell him why he was... Yeah, it. It, but it was a little hint. It was a little surprise. So, surprise. that was nice. And then, of course, it's it's announced that Lupin is the new Defense Against the Dark Arts professor this year, so... Yeah, cool stuff. No threats of going to the forest or the third floor corridor or anything like that. Just, yep. here are your professors, and we've got Dementors on premises. Yeah, so don't be uh, out here sneaking out of the grounds. Yeah. Yeah, don't be roaming around it yeah. after dark. Just stick to the castle on the grounds and you're yep. good. Yep. Now we're starting classes and we're about to get into our Hogwarts routine. Mm-hmm. And Ron is very concerned about how Hermione is going to be able to get to our, all of her classes. He's very concerned. He's really concerned through most of the book, actually. Yes. He's like, what? How in the world are you doing this? Because and she just plays it off every single yeah. time. Yeah, she's just like, I've worked it out. I've worked it out. She has, like, three classes all happening at the same time. And he's like, impossible, my friend. He's like, this is suspicious. And she's like, nah, don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah, I worked it out. It's fine. Great. Okay. Move on. Right. Move on. (laughs) But they have their first divination class. Mm -hmm. And Professor Trelawney essentially predicts Harry's untimely death. Yep. Uh, apparently she saw the Grimm in his tea leaves. Yep. And the Grimm is basically a death omen and is a big black dog. Right. And Ron's like, you haven't been seeing any new Grimm's. And Harry's like, actually, I did. I I don't know (laughs) if he told him yet. I think, I thought he kind of kept it to himself. I think he did think it to himself. "Hmm." He does tell them eventually, obviously. But he's like, no, that couldn't have been a Grimm. Yeah. What? Yeah. No. Because I think so. he sees a Grimm on a book while he he's hanging about in Diagon Alley, yeah. too. So he's had some breadcrumbs, and now he's like, oh, snap. Yeah. Snap and a half. <laughs> I've seen a Grimm. Yeah. But actually, yeah, I can't remember. Maybe he did tell Ron. I can't remember. Yeah. I'm not- I know he was having a crisis. He was. <laughs> he was like, wait a minute. Oh, no. Yeah. But. If not now, he definitely has one later. You know, it's it's hitting him. You it's, know. Yeah. It's hitting him. <laughs> But, yeah, so she predicts Harry's death, and they're all freaked out. And when they get to Transfiguration, yeah. McGonagall's like, 
what what's going on here, peeps? You guys are acting weird. And right. Like, you just had divination. She's like, aha, which one of you is supposed to be dying? Yep. So this is this is a usual occurrence yeah. for, for Miss Sybil Trelawney. She apparently chooses a student every year to uh, predict their deaths. Yeah. How grim is that? I know. <laughs> Pun intended. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, but like she seems, she doesn't even seem like a tricksy trickster that's she like doesn't. playing a prank. She's like one hundred percent dead serious. Oh, she's fully serious. Pun also intended. E. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so. And these are like thirteen-year-old kids. Yeah, in this class, I'm gonna need you to chill the heck out, woman. You're you're about to die, dude. She can't get it together. She, she cannot. Just, the thoughts pass into her brain, and she lets them. Completely out of her mouth. Yeah. So, yeah. It's great. Exactly. It's great. <laughs> but uh, then we go to Care of Magical Creatures class with our buddy Hagrid. And for our first creature, for our first class, it's hippogriffs. Mm. They're very proud creatures, so they you are. have to kind of bow and be very respectful mm-hmm. and let them warm up to you. But Harry, no surprise, is very successful in doing so mm-hmm. and takes a little sky ride with Buckbeak. Yeah. And then everyone else kind of after that, everyone can come up to the – because there's other hippogriffs, too. Yeah. There's, there's multiple, but everyone's right. kind of testing out the lesson that they just learned. And, of, of course, Malfoy being – Jealous and dumb just, like, rushes up to Buckbeak and insults him, and he gets his arm slashed by some talons. Yeah, which, of course, you deserved it. Yeah. To the arm. Yeah. Because Hagrid said, right, you do not insult a hippogriff. No. Lesson one, were you not listening? No, I don't think you were. Exactly. He's lucky he didn't slash his face. That's right. Yeah. He should have. He should have slashed his stupid face. And hippogriffs are uh, wild creatures. They, like, have the front legs and head of an eagle mm-hmm. and the back legs and, like, back portion of a horse. The buns the, of a horse. The buttocks and tail <laughs> of a horse. <laughs> so, you can imagine. So, they're giant. They're very large. Yes. And very strong. Very strong. Talons. Have those talons. things are big. And you can, yeah, like Harry got on Buckbeak and run around, and yeah. Buckbeak has the wings, obviously, so he flew him around. And yeah. Then he slashed Malfoy with his talons. Well deserved, but Hagrid had to mm-hmm. scoop his stupid, nasty butt up and take him to the hospital wing. Mm-hmm. You know, Madame Pomfrey knows her healing magic. Oh, yeah. But somehow we're led to believe that although she healed him, he still has pain. He's got nerve damage. Yeah. Which, if we remember to Chamber of Secrets, she regrew all of the bones in one of Harry's arms. Overnight. Overnight. And the next day, he was, like, spick and span. So I'm pretty sure she could heal a a deep gash, mind you, but I bet she could heal that pretty quick. Yeah, I bet there's not even that scar. With no damage. Exactly. The fact that they allowed him to... Like, wear a sling. Yes! Yes! Why did no one step in and go, shut up, quit? But I yeah. guess you can't tell someone that they're not feeling pain. But in this case... Malfoy, you're not feeling any pain. Come on. Yeah, get out of town. So, you know, he's milking it. He's whining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he 
he makes like Harry and Ron like help him do his potions. It's a whole big deal. Yeah. You know, Harry and Ron and Hermione go down to Hagrid's later to comfort him because you know that Hagrid's just beside himself. Yeah. Because it's that was like his first lesson yeah. ever. And Malfoy, Malfoy had to ruin it because he's yeah. a piece of crap. Such a dumb. I'm so tired of him. Yeah. First of all, Buckbeak is giant. Mm-hmm. And he's an apex predator. Mm-hmm. Why would you treat an apex predator with anything other than caution? Because he's prideful and narcissistic. He and is. has no regard yes. for anything but himself. That's these are, why. These are facts. Indisputable. Yeah. So, of course, they, you know, like I said, he, wearing a sling, you know, Harry and Ron have to help him cut up his stuff for his potions class. And he's just being just a downright git about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but then Malfoy, while they're doing all this, tells Harry that if he were Harry, he would want revenge on Black. And Harry's like, what do you mean? Yeah. Why would I want revenge? Yeah. But he doesn't get the opportunity to tell him or he just doesn't yeah because he's a turd yeah um and of course snape is just being absolutely relentless to neville and he like threatens like neville's not doing well in his potion mm-hmm. he is under duress 100 percent of the time that he is in snape's class fully there's no question about it and uh he's like yeah you're jacking up your potion i'm gonna make you feed it to your toad uh and snape has no thoughts that his his potion is going to be good enough he's he's pretty certain this toad's gonna die croak yeah if you will and um you know hermione tries to help him because obviously his toad's life is on the line yeah and so she help it helps him but then uh her and neville both get in trouble that neville you know when they give neville's toad the potion and he doesn't die snape's like okay Neville and Hermione are both in trouble. Yeah. You weren't supposed to help him. Okay, I'm sorry. What is it? Why? Yeah. I mean, I have a theory, or I've heard a very perfect theory as to why he hates Neville. But I don't know if I should say it now. Mm. Do we hear it now? Yeah. We find out later in the books. This is a spoiler alert, so, you know, skip ahead like a minute or two, y'all, if you really don't want the spoil for you. But Harry, obviously, is... um. The chosen one or, you know, the mm-hmm. one that was prophesied to, you know, be Voldemort's equal or whatever. Well, there was another baby that was born at the same time that the prophecy also could have been about. And that's Neville Longbottom. Mm, okay. And I feel like Snape's like, well, hey, if <laughs> you had been the one instead of Harry, my lady love would still be alive. Yeah. I think I have heard that. <clears throat> And that's the only thing that makes sense, because yeah, otherwise, like, why are you so cruel and nasty? But then yeah. again, he's also just a hateful, spite-filled human being, mm-hmm. which he was bullied when he was younger. Why did you become a bully yourself? Like, it doesn't make sense to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. The whole cycle just... <sighs> Snapey. He makes me angry. Snapey. That's all I can say. Yeah, he sucks. Snape yeah. sucks. After... Neville and Hermione get in trouble or whatever. I think Ron actually is like, what? Why are they in trouble? And Snape's like, you get detention. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they're walking out of potions class and this is the first time they notice something weird is going on with Hermione. So they're walking out of the dungeons and 
she's right behind them. And then they're talking and all of a sudden she's not behind them anymore. And they're like, where is Hermione? Mm -hmm. And they're like at the top of the stairs and they turn around and she's back at the bottom of the stairs. Strange. And they're like, and she's like, oh, I forgot something. I had to go back or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they're like, could have sworn you were just literally right behind me. Right. But okay. But they just move on from that. Right. Like, All right. Yeah. Fine. We disregard a lot of things yeah. in this book. We're we're not very curious little cats in this one. Yeah. We're just, huh, that's weird, and move on with our yeah. lives. They really uh, suspend their disbelief yeah. easily. I think we're all just so distracted by everything going yeah. on. We just, we can't care enough. To, yeah. to continue to question. <laughs> they do not have the bandwidth to no. try to figure out what Hermione's up to. No. <laughs> so then they have their very first Defense Against the Dark Arts lesson with Professor Lupin and the Boggart. So Boggart is a creature that likes the dark places and it shapeshifts into what it thinks you fear the most. Yeah. So... I can't help but think, because no one knows what a boggart looks like, mm-hmm. because as soon as you see it, it turns into the thing you fear. Yeah. I'm, I, every time I hear this, I'm like, okay, we need to get a little sneaky camera on it mm-hmm. before, you know, it doesn't know the camera's there. Yeah. We're using it, and it wouldn't work because magic and technology. But yeah, I just want to get a secret camera. Yeah. Scope it out, see what it looks like. Mm-hmm. That's all we need well, to find out. Well. Right? I think, and this is yet another, not really spoiler, but this is later books, Mad-Eye Moody knows what they look like. Oh, that's right. He has to know what they look like because in the fifth. His eyeball. Yeah, his eyeball. In the fifth, he like looks up through the floors to see in the writing area. There's a desk up there. Does he tell us what it looks like? He doesn't say. It's just like... Molly's like, I think there's a boggart in there. And he, like, looks. He's like, yep, that's a boggart. I just imagine it's like a formless little blobby thing with eyes or something, yeah. you know. I don't. I kind of just picture, like, a, almost, I guess, almost like a Tasmanian devil. Just like a oh. short little furry <laughs> <Squat> guy. Squat thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, I don't know. But, yeah. Interesting. So, apparent. why did nobody be like, hey, Moody, what's a boggart look like? Because he has to know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I see it up there. What's it look like? No one thought to. Draw me a photo. Again, they were too distracted to care, I guess. Yeah, they couldn't care about what a bugger looks nope. like. Nope. And then, you know, can't know now. Right. Frick. <laughs> Someone else probably has a magical eye like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come on. So, anyway, we're we're... Going to the bogger, so they're having a practical lesson basically. And Lupin picks Neville to be his helper, and so the bogger comes out, and it is in the form of Professor Snape because that's what Neville fears the most. Which, mm-hmm. if someone's deepest fear is one of their teachers' problem, why is no one addressing this? Yeah, why didn't anyone ask any questions? Like, hey, Neville, right. Why is Professor Snape the thing you fear the most? It's upsetting to such a deep degree that... Above everything else. It's allowed to continue. (laughs) Yeah. Above literally everything else in this world, Professor Snape is what you fear the most. Mm -hmm. Let's let's circle circle around that for a while. Let's think about that. Yeah. At least Lupin's like, 
let me help you with this fear a little bit, yeah. maybe at least for a moment. Yeah. So Lupin's like, all right, well, I know you live with your grandma. Um, what did, what kind of clothes does she wear? Now picture Snape in those clothes. Mm-hmm. And so then the bogger is now wearing the clothes. Mm-hmm. So it's Snape wearing his grandma's clothes. Yeah. And everyone's like laughing hysterically. And that's kind of the uh, antidote, if you will. Yes. To a bogger is laughter. Yep. You turn it into something that makes you laugh you, mm-hmm. by the spell ridiculous. 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 However you want to say it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So yeah, all the students get to take turns going up against the Boggart and doing their ridiculous mm-hmm. charm and or spell or whatever it is. And then Lupin actually stops Harry from doing it. He doesn't get a turn. He doesn't get a turn. Hermione also does not get a turn, but I think that's more of just like time ran out. Right. But Lupin intentionally does not let Harry do it. Correct. And when he jumps in, it the Boggart turns into a glowing orb. But then he defeats it with Ridiculous and it disappears. Yep. Harry's a little disappointed. He's like, what? He thinks that Lupin thinks he can handle it because right. of he right. passed out on the train. Right. Our classes continue. We're on our day-to-day. Yep. Everyone loves Lupin's class. Quidditch practice starts. And our first Hogsmeade visit approaches and Harry's like, what? Feeling left out. He's feeling left out because he doesn't get to go. Nope. He even asks, like, Fudge and McGonagall, and they're all yeah. like, no, bro, I'm not your guardian. I can't sign it. I'm sorry. Yeah. And he's like, don't you guys know who my guardians are? Right. They're also like, yeah. and uh, it's probably better that you stay. Why? Yeah. Don't worry uh, about it. You know. No reason. Just yeah. just don't. Just, just don't be going over there. Just stay where you are, child. Yeah. You're fine. So uh, the first trip to Hogsmeade comes, and while everyone's in Hogsmeade, Harry actually has tea with Lupin. And he kind of confronts him about not letting him face the Boggart. But Lupin tells him that he didn't think that it would be a good idea because he thought that Harry's Boggart was going to be Voldemort and he didn't want Voldemort to materialize in the classroom. Yeah, mass chaos. But Harry says that he actually thought about a Dementor and not Voldemort. But uh, then Snape comes in and kind of interrupts their conversation, and he brings Lupin a smoking goblet of potion. Yeah. And Harry's kind of like, are you sure he's not trying to poison you? you yeah. Should, you should be careful about that. And he's like, hey, <laughs> you sure you want to drink that? Right. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Just Me like, too. Uh, just make sure he's not poisoning you, okay? Now we get to the Halloween feast. And so, you know, everybody's at the feast. They are having a grand old time. Mm -hmm. The ghosts do a little ghost performance of (laughs) sorts. I think Nearly Headless Nick reenacts his execution. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So everyone's like jolly. And then they are on their way back to the common room. And they discover that the fat lady's portrait has been attacked. Yeah, she is. She's gone. gone. She's missing, and her portrait is slashed to pieces. Yep. And Peeves is floating around, like, <laughs> just having a wonderful time. Yeah. Just laughing it up. Laughing it up. And then Dumbledore shows up, and he gets a little serious. Yeah. And Peeves is like, yep. Um, well, it was serious Black. He was here, and she wouldn't let him in, and he got pissed. 
So he slashed it up. Yep. Oh, is Peeves the one that tells us that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought she told us once they actually find her, but that's crazy. Yeah. Peeves, Peeves. Peeves, Peeves. And so all the kids are taken back to the Great Hall. Mm-hmm. And they're given sleeping bags and even the rest of the school. They're all the houses are all in there to sleep for the night while the professors search the castle. Search the castle. They don't find Sirius, obviously, mm-hmm. but they do get Sir Cadogan, <laughs> the knight, yes. to be the temper replacement for the fat lady. Yep. And uh, he's a rascal. Oh boy, is he. <laughs> he changes the passwords, like, multiple times a day, and he makes them really difficult. complex yeah. and difficult, and it's just... You know, our boy Neville couldn't remember it even when it stayed the same, so you know he's got to be struggling now. Yeah, he just simply cannot. Yeah. And when they're sleeping in the Great Hall, doesn't Harry overhear, like, Dumbledore and even Percy's trying to be, like, self-important and get in on the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, he overhears Dumbledore and Snape having, like, a conversation, and Snape's like, you remember what I told you? And Mm -hmm. Dumbledore's like, yeah, and I don't really care. I don't agree. Yeah. So don't hush agree. It. Yeah. So yeah, don't question me. Zip zip. Basically. <laughs> in a polite way. He's like, right. Fall in line. Say fall in line. Right. The weather's getting stormy as our first Quidditch match approaches, and it's gonna be Gryffindor versus Hufflepuff. And then uh, do we have the first Quidditch match yet? Yes, it, the next two. Snape subs for Lupin before the Quidditch match. Oh, okay. Just as it's approaching, we're getting stormy weathers. Mm -hmm. And they're, like, practicing a lot more and all that. Well, oh, that's what it is, aren't they? So, that's what it is. They're practicing, and they've been practicing to face Slytherin. Slytherin, yeah. They've been doing all these maneuvers and tactics for Slytherin. Well, because Malfoy's arm... It has to switch to Hufflepuff. Yep. So Wood's a little worried because he's like, we haven't been practicing to face Hufflepuff. Yeah. We've been practicing to face Slytherin. So that kind of throws him off a little bit. But, you know, yeah. the team's pretty confident. So, yeah. Hey, it's going to be fun. And Wood's always intense, but he's extra intense this year because it's his last year. He's a seventh year. And it's his last chance to get the Quidditch last Cup. Last chance to get it. So he really, really wants it. Yeah. And then, of course, we have a class where Snape subs for Lupin because Lupin is sick. So Snape assigns us an essay on werewolves, and he's being a big fat jerk Mm -hmm. the entire class. He's asking questions and being rude and condescending, and Hermione's trying to answer the questions, and he's relentlessly mean to her mm-hmm. and Ron eventually stands up and is like hey you asked a question she knows the answer like what is your problem mm-hmm. and I think that's when he gets attention yeah, yeah. <laughs> so even though Ron and Hermione are having some issues because of their pets yeah he still got her back still got her back because he's a good good boy he is he is all right, so we're on the morning of the match. The rain is heavy. It's like pouring down. Mm-hmm. Very low visibility. Mm-hmm. And Harry 
and crew are flying around up there. Harry basically has no idea where anyone else is on the pitch. (laughs) And him and Cedric Diggory, who's the Hufflepuff seeker, they're trying to find the snitch, but they can't see Mm -hmm. anything. Nope. Um, Eventually, they all land on a timeout or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Hermione does like a spell to keep the rain off of Harry's glasses so he can see. And then, so they're back up in the air. They're looking. Uh, Harry, I think, does see the snitch. Mm -hmm. And he's going for it when he notices the Dementors Mm -hmm. are on the field. Yep. And he feels the cold. And then he passes out. Yep. Basically. Yep. Falls from his broom. Yep. Yeah, because Cedric was ahead of him, so they were kind of racing for it. Yeah. And unfortunately, Cedric got the snitch before he realized what happened to Harry. Yeah. Yeah. And the good sportsman that he is. He was like, hey, that's not fair. Like, that shouldn't count. You know, I didn't know that Harry was falling. Like, it wasn't fair. But the the wind wind still stands. Yeah. So. Oh, Cedric. Such a good guy. Good guy. Yep. So when he wakes up. When Harry wakes up, he's in the hospital wing. Yep. And they tell him, he's like, what, are we going to have a rematch? And they're like, yikes. Uh, <laughs> nope, we lost. And so Harry's like, fuck. <laughs> That's the first time he's lost. He's never not gotten the snitch in right. a Quidditch match. Right. So he's like, shattered. Yeah. And then he's like, where's my broom? And they're like, shattered. Whoa. <laughs> Your room, your broom is shattered. Yeah. Hit the Whomping Willow and she gone. Mm-hmm. So not only did he lose his first Quidditch match. Yeah. But he also lost his broom. I love how they're all doing the math. Like, well, but if we beat this team and we have this many points and, and we make sure to this have team. this many points, if, you know, if this team beats that team and then we beat them and we're up this many <laughs> points before you catch the snit, you know, like, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. We're, yeah. we're trying. There's still a chance. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, but Harry's feeling, he's he's down right now. He's mm-hmm. feeling pretty miserable. Yeah. And not on top of everything else, he's super embarrassed yeah. that the Dementors affect him so much worse than everyone else. Yep. And of course, like, even at the Great Feast, like, after the train ride, like, Malfoy was making fun of yeah. him. So yeah. it's just going to get worse. Yeah. Which I could not believe after the train ride, like, Neville's the one that was telling people, like, Neville, shut your fat mouth. <laughs> I'm not calling him fat. I'm calling yeah. him, you know, his big yeah. mouth. Shut your yeah. mouth. Aww. And I'm sure he just... He was, like, con- out of concern. Right. Like, oh, Harry. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. But I was just like, shush, shush. Because, yeah, now Mal, you know, then Malfoy knew, and then now, yeah, now he sees this, and I'm just sure he's delighted because he's... Oh, yeah. A turd. I just can't take it. Yeah, he's the worst. He really is. Just mm. the worst. But, so, after all that happens, Harry's like, enough's enough. Mm. And he asks Lupin about the Dementors and why they affect him so much. And Lupin says that it's because he has true traumas in his past, you know, obviously more than most others do. And uh, I'm thinking it's because they already got a taste and they're like, ooh, that guy, yep. uh, he's got, he's got some tasty treats. Yeah, so, uh, let's focus on that one. Right. Yeah. 
So he, uh, but Harry convinces Lupin to uh, teach him how to repel Dementors. And uh, he's still kind of weak from being out and being sick, mm-hmm. uh, Lupin is. So he says he'll teach him, but he'll, they'll start after the holidays. And then we get another Hogsmeade outing that Harry can't go to. Mm-hmm. Wah, wah. Until. Until. Our good friends, Fred and George. Come in clutch. They really do. So they corner Harry and like, hey, we got this map and it's the Marauders map and this will tell you how to get in there. Mm-hmm. Shows you all the secret passages. All the secret passages. It also shows you little ink dots of people in the castle moving around mm-hmm. and it's awesome. Helpful if you want to avoid Filch, Snape. You can see people Thieves. coming. Yep. And essentially, in order to see the map, you have to tap it and say, I solemnly swear I'm up to no good. And in order for it to be blank and just look like a piece of parchment, you tap it and say, Mischief Managed. And who are the makers of this map, then? It is Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, Prongs. What? Our marauders. Who are these mystery people? They're very talented map makers. They are. <laughs> that is some serious. That's some serious magic. Magic, yeah. For real. I love that Harry calls back to um, Arthur's advice of don't trust anything that, that can think for itself. If you can't see where it keeps its brain. Yep. So he doesn't heed that warning at all. No, no, no. But he remembers it. Yes. And he I does. appreciate it. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so. Yeah, he's like, all right, well, um, I'm going to go get my invisibility cloak. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take this map, and I'm about to get myself in Hogsmeade. Oh, yeah. And he straight up does. Yep. He ends up in the cellar of Honeydukes, which is a sweet shop. I was say, that's the best place to start. That's right. <laughs> so he taps Ron and Hermione. Well, actually, I think they're, like, looking for him for something, and he just is, like, behind him. He's like... Definitely not those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and of course, Hermione's like, Harry! Yeah, she's... Ron's, like, super impressed. And Hermione's, yeah. like, kind of exasperated. She's very about the rules this she, year. She is. And I think a lot of her rule-followingness is Harry's safety. Yeah, because he yeah. has zero disregard for his safety this yeah, year. Yeah, he has... He, he cares... Very little. Zero percent. Yeah, he doesn't care about his his getting himself in danger literally at all. No. No. So. It's strange how unconcerned these people are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I've never been a teenage boy, so maybe it is 13-year-old boyisms. Like, maybe 13-year-old boys are just like, fuck it, I don't care. Right. This sounds fun. I'm about to do it. Partially grown brain. Yeah. No danger button, you know. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, my brothers were kind of like that, I guess. (laughs) They got hurt all the time, constantly in the hospital for injuries. Just always, constantly. You know? Gosh. So that's, I'm guessing that's Harry and Ron. Yeah. That's who I'm picturing. They're they're rocking this thought process this year, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Harry and or Ron and Hermione basically take him around to all the shops. Yeah. He's in the cloak, so he can't be seen, but he, like, passes them money, and they buy shit for him. Yeah. And they take him to the three broomsticks so that he can try butterbeer, which, fair, butterbeer is the shit. One of the most glorious drinks ever. 
created. Yeah, it's so good. Theirs uh, is alcoholic. Obviously, the ones I've tried have not, but... Yeah, the ones at Universal. I, can you get an alcoholic version at Universal? Probably in the Hogshead. Probably. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I don't know. I've never yeah. tried. I would imagine you probably can at one of the bars or the pubs, mm-hmm. but... Yeah. Um, in most restaurants, they just serve the hot, cold, frozen. Yeah. But I imagine that you could. I had it frozen and iced. I was there in July, so I didn't get it hot. Mm-hmm. I tried it but, hot, and it's good. Yeah. Frozen is by far my favorite. Okay. I think out of the two, I I preferred the iced version, but both were very good. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah. I have... Jerry and I did try to recreate it, and we were close. Mm-hmm. But there's something that they do to their butterbeer down at yeah. Universal that... There's got to be a secret ingredient in there because... It's exceptional. It's just so good. So, so good. And we, I think we did at least two or three batches mm-hmm. at various times trying to, like, get it. Mm-hmm. And it was they were always just slightly off. Yeah. Still I have a, good, but yeah. slightly off. I have a recipe I've tried with my ice cream maker so that you can make it slushy-like. Mm-hmm. We'll have to try it sometime. Yeah. It's good. It's not the same. But it's yeah. good. Yeah. Maybe it's just being there. You're just, it, maybe it just tastes better because yeah. you're there. I yeah, don't know. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure that's part of it. It's, and then also. Yeah. The secret ingredient, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. <laughs> it's magic. Ooh, I freaking wish. <laughs> Although if magic was like literally real and I didn't possess any, mm-hmm. then I would be pissed. Yeah. Like, this, I get that. This sucks. Yes. Agreed. I, I want to participate. I want some of that, please. So now we're tapping into the mental anguish of the squib. Yep. That would be so much worse than just being a muggle. Yeah. Blissfully ignorant or completely entrenched and unable to. Yeah. Oof. No wonder Filch is so bitter. I, for real. I why would totally you work get it. at a school? Yeah. And watch yeah. children learn magic that you can never have. It just, that resentment just. Deepens and deepens. And That's self torture. Self torture. I don't get it. It could potentially be a situation where he just hates himself so much mm-hmm. because he's a squib and he has just sentenced himself to a lifetime of punishment. Yeah. Because he's a squib. Ugh. It's like internalized, just like misogyny. Extreme self loathing. Yeah. Guy. I want to feel bad for you, but you also are kind of mean. Yeah, Filch is mean and cruel as well. You can't be out here living life like that. You can't. No excuse makes it okay. That's right. No excuse makes it okay. Oh, God. But I I do think that that probably is part of the explanation of why he is the way he is and why he remains at Hogwarts, despite how painful it is for him. Right. Because... Constant I'm sure someone else isn't going to hire him, so thank you, Dumbledore. But right, Dumbledore smokes. is kind of a collector of the broken people. Snape, Hagrid, Trelawney, Lupin. He just collects them all. Yeah, hopefully in an altruistic way. Right. I, I might, don't know. There might be some plans there, but I really think yeah. he cares. I know. As there, well. You see a lot of things online where people just really position Dumbledore as like an evil mastermind almost like Mm -mm. 
But I really don't think that, I think they're missing true nuance and character. Yeah. And he might have made decisions that were not for the best interests of, like, Harry specifically. Mm -hmm. But there were also reasons, like... I don't Try know. being the one that has the knowledge of the awful thing that has to happen to save the world. Yeah. And be the bearer of that because you know if you involve other people that their emotion is going to get involved and yeah. cloud it. He knows what has to be done. Yeah. And as much I believe he doesn't want it to happen. Right. Exactly. And he knows the loophole. Exactly. He wants the loophole. He sees the loophole comes into play. Like the book even is like, oh, he had a little smirk. And I can't remember exactly where it is, but it's like, I I don't think that he wanted anyone in danger. But when the world is on the line, you have to make some hard choices and some calculated moves and risks. And do I think he was perfect? Absolutely not. But he also... Had literally the weight of the world on him. Yeah. He took this decision upon himself. Maybe it shouldn't have been just up to him. But again, that's a risk he wasn't willing to take. Mm -hmm. And he was also trying to save the world and find a way to save Harry. Harry. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And like the situation, Dumbledore having the knowledge of how the Harry Voldemort situation would play out. He's also in that pickle of, is there someone I can't, is there someone I can tell? Right. Because what happens if I tell someone and this knowledge gets out, how does that affect Harry's safety? Right. How does it affect how Voldemort moves? Because Voldemort's not aware of this caveat. Right. Right. So. And you can't really tell Harry either, you know, because you don't know who he'll tell or if he's a child, like he could, his mind could be penetrated. There's right. so many risks. So yeah, he, there's so many risks. He carries it all on himself. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, when they, they read books and there's character making decisions that seem fully unilateral and those decisions affect literally everyone else in the book, they like are applying real world logic in a world that operates outside of real world logic. Right. Like you personally who are judging the character of Dumbledore in such a harsh manner have mm-hmm. never been put in a situation where you are literally balancing the, the fate of not only the wizarding world, but mm-hmm. also the muggle world as well. Right. And he treats people well, despite all of it. He does. He's a kind person. Right. And he, he just, he's making the decisions that he thinks are going to be the best for the largest number of people. Right. Which is a hard choice to make. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And a lot of the qualms that people have are like, why did you leave him with the Dursleys for so long? Why this? Why that? Well, our story is the way it is because of those situations. Right. Sometimes when you're reading any book at all, you just have to accept the plot devices. Right. Because one, (laughs) yeah, if everyone made the right decisions and nothing ever went wrong, you wouldn't have a story. It would be so boring and uninteresting. And also, I, again, I think it was a hard choice where it was like, this is going to be awful, but it's going to humble him. It is going to make him a person who is willing 
to fight for other people like him rather than someone who was raised with perhaps people that have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder or like to be mischievous and have, you know, mm-hmm. just he could, if he was raised by someone that had any sort of superiority complex or just, I don't know, he needed to stay away from the fame. And yeah, being with the Dursleys was awful. And I hate that decision. And I think that there are holes in that plot device. But at the same time, it made him who he is. And it made him the type of character that fought for others Mm -hmm. and, you know, was willing to make sacrifices. So does it suck? Yes. Was it necessary? Possibly. Yeah. And the real question is, who else would they have left Harry with? Who else? Do you think, I mean, as much as I love Hagrid, do you think he could have raised a baby? Absolutely not. No. And so, it were, uh, you know, the looming threat of Voldemort. Everyone else thinks he's gone. But Dumbledore knows otherwise. Right. He knows that's not the end of that story. Yeah. And he needed to stay away from the fame. And then there's a whole other reason that the, we haven't discussed yeah. that has to do with the charm. And yeah. So it's like yeah. there are reasons. Yeah. Again, do I like them? Do I think that he should have been able to stay somewhere else eventually? Yeah. But mm-hmm. again, some you just have to accept some things in stories Yeah, for the story. And as long as it's written well, they're easy to pass by. If it's poorly written and it's just happening to happen, that's dumb. But if there's a reason, mm-hmm. it's acceptable. People are crazy. Sometimes I feel like people just need to accept a story for what it is. Yeah. Especially a children's story. Yeah. Accept it for what it is. (laughs) Right. We could poke holes in anything. And honestly, like in real life, people make dumb, stupid decisions too because they don't think things through. So why should you expect more out of a fictional character? Yeah. (laughs) You know? I agree. You know? Yeah. It is what it is. People get all up in arms when characters are written without flaws. So. Yeah. You you just can't win. You can't. (laughs) So sometimes... if you like something, you just got to suspend your disbelief and allow yourself to like it, okay? And that's, yeah. what, that's what we do here. <laughs> that's what we do here. And, yeah, I am fine with suspending my disbelief on certain things. Me too. And in certain things, I'm not. Right. I and that's okay because that's our personal choice. We're not hating on that's anyone right. else for not, dis- not you know. Like, yeah. You like that? Ugh. It's like, yeah. no, I don't like it. And these are the reasons. But if you like it, cool, man. Yeah. Do your thing. Right. Do your thing. It's all good here. But that was quite the quite the side road and we're we're we are nearing the end of this part one, but there is one pretty important scene that happens. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Would you do would you like to go through it for us or I sure will. (laughs) Okay, so we're in the three broomsticks. We're having butterbeer. Harry's under the invisibility cloak and in walks Cornelius Fudge, Hagrid, McGonagall, and Flitwick to have some pub time with quite the little gang. <laughs> quite the gang there. They all like sit down. Madame Rosmurda is the barmaid, the three broomsticks, and they're all chatting it up. And Harry overhears them talking about Sirius Black. And they're talking about how Sirius Black was best friends with James, Harry's dad, while they were in school. 
what? And Harry's like, um, scoozy? Right. And <laughs> they talk about how Sirius Black is Harry's godfather. Scoozy again? Whoa. So those things are pretty shocking. But the yeah. most shocking is that Black is apparently the one who betrayed Lillian James's whereabouts to Voldemort, which led to their deaths. Oh, what? Big yikes. So, Very big yikes. Apparently, Sirius Black was their secret keeper. So only the secret keeper can divulge the whereabouts to those who are being kept secret. Right. So, like, if you are under, it's the Fidelius charm, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, if you have that charm on you, it's like someone could be right in front of your face. Yeah. And unless they are part of the secret, if they are the secret keeper or given the information by the secret keeper, they are not going to see you. Yeah. You are completely concealed. Yep. Yep. And Sirius Black was apparently uh, James and Lily's secret keeper. And so the only way Voldemort would have been able to get into their house the night they died was if Sirius had given him the secret. Crazy. Yikes. And also, to put the cherry on top, is that Sirius was cornered the next day by another friend of the Potters, Peter Pettigrew, and he was confronted for betraying Lillian James, and then Sirius cast this curse, killed Peter, and 12 muggles, 13 muggles. Yeah. And all they had left of Peter was a finger. Dang. Whoa! So that all that info just got dropped on Harry. That's a huge info dump. Yeah. For, so. as we said, a 13-year-old boy brain. Yep. That is <laughs> not fully working no, all the time no. this year. Yeah. He's clearly like not making good choices, obviously. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and that's where we're going to end part one. Yep. Cliffhanger. Dun dun dun. But not really, because part two is. Yeah, it'll be released at the same time. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be waiting in your queue. Yeah. So you can get on to the conclusion. Get our final, final thoughts. Yeah. So uh, instead of in this por- portion, we usually talk about our final thoughts, but that's going to be in part two. Right. So here I put some important things that happen in the first part of the book that mm-hmm. we can get into a little bit more, which I think we have talked about the Grimm a couple, a little bit, Mm -hmm. Um, but Harry and the Grimm, he sees it multiple times. Yeah. He saw it at the Quidditch game as well, didn't he? He did, like right before he fell. Right. I think we forgot to mention that. So yeah, he saw it by the night bus. Mm -hmm. He saw it during the Quidditch game. Did he see it any other time or just how it showed up like at the, the, image of it showed up at the bookstore not the not the grim or dog itself but like he saw the image of it on a book and right it's in his teacup so he's surrounded by this image yeah but also this he keeps seeing this black dog yeah yeah and like when he saw it before he got on the night bus he literally almost got hit by the night bus Mm -hmm. or thought he was going to i think the magic of the night bus would have prevented that but Um, and then he saw it just before he fell off his broom. So mm-hmm. two like 
seemingly near death accidents. Yes. Right after he sees it. Absolutely. So So true. Concerning. Yeah. And then we've got the Dementors, you know. What are they? Like, how did they come to be? I think, I don't know if at some point they do talk about, like, where they were found or, like, how they were corralled into becoming the Azkaban guards. But at this point, it's just sort of like they're a bit of a mystery. But yeah, and I know there's mention that Dementors do, like, breed and multiply. Barf. So I don't know. Obviously, I don't know the logistics of that, but it is something that happens. Right. So I don't know. But I do know that, like, the genesis of the idea for the Dementors is, like, depression. Right. They're, like, supposed to represent depression. Right. They suck all the happiness and joy, and but and then also, like, literally, like, suck the warmth mm-hmm. out of a room. And- yeah. But yeah, they are a extreme representation of depression. And I, I do think that it can feel like that, you know, at its lowest mm. points, you know? Yeah. I've never suffered suffered from depression, uh, which I know is very, very lucky. Mm-hmm. But so that sort of feeling isn't something that I could like, ima- like imagine mm-hmm. really because yeah. I've never like experienced it. But yeah. But yeah, I think that the um, extreme descriptions of like, yeah, like feeling like there's no joy and that there will never be any joy again. Yeah. There's no literal warmth and, mm-hmm. you know, just being, I mean, your breath is taken away, you know, just like, I mean, thinking about like depression or even like an anxiety attack. It's like, it's, it's very severe descriptors. I think mm-hmm. it's, I think it's a, a good depiction in a fantasy sort of way, you know, yeah. in a, or in a fantasy setting, like yeah. to, so I think it's, I think it's cool. And then even just like the reemerging memory of mm-hmm. the thing that is haunting you, you yeah. know, the, like reliving yeah. those bad times. Yeah. 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 So I, I find that very interesting, but yeah, just them as a magical creature in general. It, yeah. They're it, gnarly. There's, there's a little bit of mystery about yeah. them still like, you know, scabby and gooey like ew no (laughs) and dementors are really like the first magical creatures that are that dark like in defense against the dark arts through this book you encounter certainly dark creatures like red red cat yeah all these they're like but they're kind of like just like scuttly little creatures yeah that i don't a slightly manipulative yeah, or like try to try tricksy, to yes right they don't feel like they're they're just kind of like a little dangerous right you but know? these are extremely these dangerous dementors are legitimately dark and they have like, a job yeah for the ministry so they have a certain level of like sentience like yeah. they're aware and mm-hmm. sentient of they don't see Apparently, they can't, like, see, but they... I want to know how they had conversations with these things and were like, hey, don't feed on the usual populace, okay? We will bring you people to feed on. Cuckoo? Like, I just want to know how these negotiations went. I know. (laughs) So many questions are popping in my head. But yeah, they're they're pretty big players in this in this book for sure. And they um kind of stay 
big yeah. players through the rest of the series, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, and as things get darker for Harry, yeah, it's like... Oh, Dementors. It's a physical representation of... Yeah. Of, of the depression and the... Yeah. The trauma. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Wild. Yeah. Uh, um, and then the next thing, Hermione's schedule. Oh, right. Hermione's schedule. So we, uh, we're not really sure what she's up to. She's no. up to something and that's obvious. Right. And it keeps getting brought up, but again, it it's like they, they let it drop. Like, yeah. Again, like we talked about in the Scarecrow walks at midnight, like, no, you and I are sitting down. I'm looking you dead in your pupils and you are telling me yeah. and we're not doing anything else until this is done. Yeah. This Stop is being cagey and weird. Mm-hmm. This is not one of those things where you go, oh, I don't want to talk about it. No. What the heck is going on? How are yeah. you in two places at once? How are you taking? What are you doing? I'm literally looking at your schedule and this doesn't make sense. Make it make sense to me. Give yeah. me a good lie at least and I'll let you go. But yeah. like... You can't just brush me off because it's, that's the thing that's maddening. It's like, it's so obvious, but we're just, they, they just go, well, what? Don't worry about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. It's wild. That wouldn't work for me. Yeah. But Hermione's schedule is uh, fully insane. Yeah. Fully insane. McGonagall's in on it though, because that's what she pulled her aside to talk to her about. Exactly. Year, so. Exactly. So. Something's going on. Maybe. Because it always seems that Ron is the one noticing, mm-hmm. and Harry's kind of like, oh, yeah, okay. Harry could give zero craps. He, yeah, he has zero, like, awareness, basically. Well, I don't and, know what La La Land he's rocking in this yeah. year. <laughs> he's, he's worried just, about Quidditch. Yeah, that's he really is basically just worried about Quidditch and the Dementors. Like, that's and, it. and getting to Hogsmeade. And, and yeah, getting to Hogsmeade. <laughs> Those are his three priorities, and yep. anything other than that, he just cannot be bothered. Nope. <laughs> but Ron, he can be bothered, yep. and he wants to know. Right. And he asks her, and she brushes him off every time. Yep. But also, Harry probably is just like, you know what? I He he was there when McGonagall and Hermione had that conversation at right. the beginning. Right. And he's probably just like, nah. McGonagall's got it. Yeah. I trust McGonagall. She's got it. Exactly. And Ron's just like, that's not good enough for me. Yeah. Yep. Ridiculous. (laughs) Get it. Totally get it. And lastly, Sirius Black's relationship with James and Lily. We kind of went through it a lot more than what I typed. Yeah. In the thing. But yeah. They, yeah, they, they talked about how they were friends in school and they were always together mm-hmm. and just that they had, I mean, like, basically it seems as if Sirius was to James like Ron is to Harry. Yeah. They were very close. I very mean, close. to be named the godfather yeah. of James's child, like, that's, that's, that's a big deal. That's, especially in the wizarding world, it brings a lot more responsibility than it does, like, for us, like mm-hmm. a godparent is kind of like symbolic now. Mm-hmm. It's not, there aren't really practical terms that come mm-hmm. with it. But in the wizarding world, I'm pretty sure, like, legitimately, you have a role. You have to step in if right. something happens to the parents. Right. Which is more likely with magic involved. Right. Exactly. So, so there's probably a magical bond. Yeah. 
that's done. Yeah. So, and Sirius was also the best man at their wedding. Right. Right. I mean, I myself am a godparent to my sweet little baby Julian. (laughs) And he's precious. And yeah, I mean, like, that's a big deal. Like, we're, like, essentially adopted in, like, aunt and uncle. Yeah. Like, you know, we're there for the the birthdays and the and the stuff. It's like if they needed us to watch him if for an emergency or if something mm-hmm. happens to the, to to them, you know, we're <laughs> we're going to be the ones that take care of him like but mostly it is symbolic for mm-hmm. a lot of people, but for us like yeah, we have that responsibility like if something were to happen to our friends, like we would be the ones that would care for this kid. Would it's you? A, it's a, Did- yeah. That's, like, in their will and everything? That's why. I don't know if they made the will, but that that's their intention. Like, they've even told their family, like, yeah, these are the people that will be raising our child if something happens to us. Wow. I think um, that used to be the role of godparent. Yes, yes. Um, but you're right. Most, most of the time nowadays, it's more of a symbolic, yeah. like, you're just, you know, oh, they're my godparents. They're around. Come to the birthdays and stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, when you have that, like, hey, you could be caring for this child yeah. like you you grow a deeper bond because you know that they they need to know that they can depend on you yeah and that was serious as was going to be serious as role yeah that's huge that's really big really big so to have been that close as kids in school and be the best man and be the godfather like how do you betray that and get them killed yeah that's what Harry's asking. Yeah. I'm sure. Because <laughs> we didn't get to find out his reaction. Yeah, but, we didn't. Yeah. Nope. So that those are the four main, like, kind of big things that stood out in yeah. part one. So. Yep. Yep. So that's it um, for part one. So please, first of all, let us know if this format is more enjoyable. I enjoy it more. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's better as well. Uh, so yeah, we'll see how, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. But, um, rate and review us, uh, Apple, Spotify, and Audible currently allow you to rate them or rate shows or whatever. So you can do that. Yes, please. That'd be great. Thanks. Obviously the higher the stars, the more appreciative we will be. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you know, speak your truth. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Or keep it to yourself. Or keep it to yourself, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Really just, you know, five stars or or nothing. (laughs) No. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want you to come in and yuck or yum. Yeah. Yeah. Please don't. Yeah, please. (laughs) (laughs) But send us uh, your book recs. Let us know if you've read any of the books we've covered. Let us know your woes over Harry Potter stuff or your absolute loves, you know. (laughs) You can pick apart anything, but there's just, if there's more to love, then that's just what you got to focus on. Yeah. And at the end of the day, let people enjoy what they want to enjoy. Exactly. The internet is just out here fucking shit up for everyone. Right. They're just trying to dissect literally every single thing. It doesn't matter what it is. Harry Potter, anything else, they're dissecting it. Right. We're spreading it out and looking at it, but we're discussing it with an air of love. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. That's all I ask for people. Like, 
just let us like what we want to like. Yep. I don't I don't care what you like. Yeah. I don't post long in-depth diatribes, diatribes about, about yeah. shit. Yeah. Like I have tons of things that I don't enjoy or have really large problems with, but outside of its proper context, I just simply let people love yep. it if they want. Yep. You do you. Boo boo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, um, our tunes and our artwork fully done all in-house yep. on the premises. Yep. And this gal and that gal. Yep. These two lady people right here. <laughs> we do it all. We two hooligans. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's all for this episode. Yep. So we'll see you in part two. Oh. See you soon. Goodbye.